0: opening a word of prayer. So Father, thank you for the opportunity to come around the word of God. Thank you for putting us in a nation where we can freely meet and and gather in your name and freely learn from you, worship you. Lord, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would just come and completely take over. Lord, let you your words be spoken through me and let each Hearer, hear what you want them to hear and receive today. And Lord, I pray that we would have chains broken off, we would have mentalities shifted, we would have our eyes open, and that we would be able to comprehend what you are speaking to our hearts today in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. Who brought their Bibles? Can you give me a wave with your Bible if you've got it? Yay, cool. Even if it's electronic, that's fine. Um, All right, can you turn to the book of Colossians in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3, and today we're going to be talking about being carriers of the kingdom. Carriers of the kingdom. All right, I can still hear pages turning. I, uh, I cheated, I had my bookmark there. All right, Colossians 3. We're going to start in verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I'm going to pause there. We will read more. But I want to start with with one concept. Seek those things which are above and then set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. I want to tell you um, an example of a situation that probably has happened to many people in this room, um, but there are two different ways of looking at that situation. So there's a man and his wife and their children. They're a beautiful family of of God. They love the Lord. They honour the Lord. They love to give to him. They tithe. And they trust the Lord to provide for them. But right in the middle of a really challenging financial time in their lives, the husband comes home very discouraged and he says to his wife, Sweetheart, they let me go at work today. They happened to downsize, and I was the one they chose to let go. And so, I have no job, we don't have income, and we have all these bills piling up. <clears throat> and the husband and wife look at one another, and she says, well, maybe you just need to just try and find any work you can, it doesn't matter, just you know, somehow God will provide for us. So just um whatever you can take. You just you just get it. And he he sort of begins to look, but no work comes up for weeks on end. Nobody wants him or needs him. He can't find the right job. They're getting more and more stressed. The bills are piling up more and more. Finally he finds just a really you know very menial sort of job. And it just gets them by with the bills they need to pay. That's one scenario. But let's rewind to the point where he comes home and he says, sweetheart, they let me go at work today. Um, They don't have a position for me anymore. They had to downsize and I was the one to go. And the wife looks at him and and he looks at her and she says, Well, praise God, you must be getting a better job somewhere else with a promotion. God has good things in store for us. He's never let us down. He's never failed us. And this is going to turn around for our good. And sure enough, the competing company, ended up finding him and saying to him, look, we really want you to come, we know your experience, we're gonna offer you this high package, this corner desk, and we're gonna give you all these perks if you just come and be a part of our company. And he goes and takes his new position, it has better hours, better pay, he has more time with the family, and things go well for them. All that was different was a mentality. Set your mind on things above where Christ is. I have been challenged, really, really challenged, when I hear a bad report. So if I happen to see a news article somewhere or um, I'm cleaning in someone's house and they've got the news on TV, there's a lot of bad stuff happening in the world, right? Right? And if you want to know all the bad stuff, you just turn on the TV at uh, five or six or seven o'clock at night and uh, you can be sufficiently doused in bad news. But there are some really crazy things going on in the earth. Lots of wickedness, lots of war, lots of terror, lots of things. We can look at those situations one of two ways. We can think, oh man, that's so bad. And, um, and just feel like helpless. Or we can look at that and we can say, hmm, how does Jesus view this situation? I can guarantee you Jesus is thinking very differently about that news article than you are. He sits in a different perspective. So is it, is it hard for Jesus to stop a war? Is it hard for him to change a scenario? We see from the word of God so many times victory in battles, like unprecedented victory, when it should never have happened against all odds. But we see victory when people put their trust in the Lord. Do you know there is a war uh, that happened in Israel called the Six-Day War? When I was over there, they were talking about what had happened and and the odds that were against them. It's really one of the most phenomenal modern-day miracles, I believe, that the nation of Israel has encountered. But they had people coming at them from every angle. They were a newly established nation. They had no weapons, no real army or civilians with sticks and clubs. But God fought for them. And as this army was coming up over into Jerusalem, they were coming up early in the morning. There's a a mosque there called the Dome of the Rock, and it has a golden roof. And God let the sunlight bounce off that roof and it blinded the enemy as they were coming up. And they literally couldn't see. Have you ever driven into the sun and you're like, you know, and for a few seconds you literally can't see? That's what happened. And these this army coming in with all their weapons and all their might were defeated with sticks and clamps by civilians because God is with them. Who has heard of a six-day war? I mean, but I'm just saying like, is in normally a war stretches out for years and years, right? But God can do anything. I believe today he's wanting to challenge us to be carriers of the kingdom and and really challenge our mentality how we look at things on earth. Um, He is calling us to come and sit in heavenly places with him, to sit in heavenly places where he is seated and that our perspective and our mindset would become like that of Christ. So he's not looking at who's right or who's wrong, In the Russia and Ukraine war he's not following well you're a better nation or you're a worse nation do you know what God sees he sees the individual he sees two countries desperately in need of him you see if you look at things from an earthly perspective you're tempted to take sides to say well this is right and this is wrong but God is saying no no All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus hung on that cross for every nationality, every race, every people. If we begin to have a kingdom mindset, we begin to view things differently. Instead of praying for one nation to win over another, what if we begin to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, in Ukraine, in Russia, as it is in heaven. I'm just using that one as a a starting point, as an example. He wants us to set our mind on things above. So when someone tells you their circumstances and they have multiple things going wrong at the same time. They've got this person sick, that person's not well, um, this one's lost their job, that one's going through a hard time, this one's, you know, in hospital, and it seems like their entire world is under attack and and it's just an impossible situation after a possible situation. You can be like, oh, that's just so sad. I feel so sorry for you. I'm here for you. Or you can put on a kingdom mentality. I can do more than just sit with you. I can go into the heavenly places and I can do war for you. And I can see the kingdom come. There was a company of... um, Of prophets and prophetic people in America. Do you remember when one of their biggest banks collapsed um, last year? It was pretty crazy. There was a lot of talk that other banks were going to fold. The domino effect obviously would happen worldwide with the um, economy, with currencies. And it looked like everything was about to fall apart. But God spoke to one of these. Um, Prophets and said to them, they were reading the headlines of how this bank had, had, had to fold and the repercussions that were going on. Two or three other major banks in America that were teetering on collapse. There was already a run happening on the banks. People were getting their money out. There was panic. And God spoke to her and said, what are you going to do about it? That really challenged me. It's so easy to read things and go, oh, wow, this is happening. But we are children of God in the earth. And so she called together every believer that she knew all around the United States of America. She said, go and stand in front of these banks, the ones that were teetering on the edge. Go and pray, stand in front of them and pray and say, stabilize in Jesus' name. So they did in every state of America. The believers rallied outside the banks and they just began to pray, stabilise in Jesus' name. Not one bank fell after that. And the economy began with the banking system began to stabilise. You know what? We need to have a different mentality.
1: We need to have a
0: different mindset. All right. We might come back to Colossians 3, but I want us to go over to Luke 17, if you will turn there, please. Back to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. All right. Today I want to teach you a little bit about prayer because there's some stuff coming out we're going to talk about that I'm very excited about for this body of believers. And it's how we can be activated in prayer um, at a much greater level. All right, so Luke 17, and we're going to read verse 20 and 21. Um, uh, Now it says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. We could go over to England and stand in front of Buckingham Palace and see those interesting dressed guards and um, we could see physical evidence of a kingdom. And the Pharisees were saying to Jesus, When's the kingdom of God going to come? And they have an idea in their mind what that's going to look like. Oh, it's going to look like a king with a throne and a palace and a kingdom. But you see, there's no throne on earth that could contain our king. He's enthroned in the heavens. So the kingdom of God is not, at this point, something that you can go and behold with your natural eyes. But it is more real than even what I can touch and feel here. The kingdom of God is within me, because I have made Jesus my king. So he has full dominion and authority in my life. So I carry his kingdom with me. His kingdom weights, his kingdom purpose, I carry within you. You carry it within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two and to all the villages and the communities, and he said, go and preach the gospel and then tell them the kingdom of God is near. In other words... It is right next to you if you're willing to receive it.
1: Are you willing
0: to receive it? If you are, you can literally enter into another realm, another dimension the kingdom of God. I'll go to Matthew chapter 6. A very well-known passage. The Lord's Prayer is in this passage as well. Can you just quickly flip there with me? Matthew chapter 6. But I want to sort of back up a little bit and read what's before it and then we'll get to the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew 6, we're going to start in verse 5. All the words here for me are in red. This is Jesus, his words recorded. And uh, he's in the middle of a teaching, but for the sake of time, we're going to pick it up here. And when you pray, Jesus is saying, you will not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. I want to highlight that word to you. Your father is where? In the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven. Mm. Now, wait a minute. He just said, Your Father was where? In the secret place. Now he's saying, Our Father Mm. in heaven. So, where is the secret place? In heaven. Where do we live? It's not supposed to be a trick question. I was just like, kind of thinking out loud here. Um, Well, we we do live here. I think most of us have an address. But we're dual citizens. So I also have another address. It's called 777 Secret Place Heaven. (laughs) And I, I really love that place. More than I love my 42 church road the summer. Because um, when I go to 777 Secret Place Heaven, I find out the secrets of what they're planning up there to happen here. And it's really fun. Every time I've been in the secret place, I have never heard God stressed. I can go up there really stressed, and I sit there, and I'm ready to tell him all the things he should be worried about. And he is sitting up there, and sometimes, sometimes I hear the belly laugh. And um, I think, what's so funny? But Psalm 2 said, why did the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth and the rulers are taking counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. And they said, oh, we will not have him on, on the throne. But it says, God sits in the heavens and he laughs. He laughs at them. And he says, huh, I'm going to hold the nations in derision. And like, he is not worried. They are all plotting. This is the elite of the elite, the elect of the elect. People are scheming and plotting at high levels how to take out God and take out his people and take out his purpose in the earth and stop the gospel from progressing. But in that moment, God is not worried in heaven. He's not, not losing any sweat. He is laughing. Oh, going to be a good show, boys. Ready for this? I love being in the secret place because God never seems to be worried about anything. In fact, he has the most ingenious of solutions for everything. He, he, he like, it's always very, very opposite to here though. Have you noticed that? I had um, someone that was um, really giving me a hard time uh, in the business world one of the agents that we had cleaned for. And oh, we had had some words on the phone, each one trying to get the other one to see their perspective, and it had been fruitless. And then I began to pray and began to sit in the secret place. And, and God said to me, um, I want you to, to ring and apologise for well, clashing, clashing heads over the phone and I was like, yeah, but you know, um, I don't want them to think that they can get away with stuff either, that's not right, you know. And he said, no, you don't have to uh, apologise for what you said, what you said was truth, but you can apologise for the tone of voice you used when you said it. I went, Hey, okay, I can do that. So I rang this person and I said, hey, uh, sorry to bother you again. Uh, I know we had a big chat yesterday, but I was thinking, and this was before Christmas, and I said, you know, this this time of year, there's so much stuff going on for everyone and I'm sure you had a super busy full day yesterday and you just didn't need someone giving you attitude. And I said, I just... That's not me. I, I, I'm really sorry for the tone of voice I used when I spoke to you, yesterday. And she went, I, what, what, oh, don't even worry about it. I, I don't think you used a tone of voice. It was fine. I said, well, I'm not, not here to bring up the issue again. I just literally wanted to say I'm sorry. The thing we were contending about literally within hours was resolved. They just, they just gave in. And I was like, wow, see, kingdom is so different. The way they do things up there is so different to the way we do things down here. But I tell you what, it's so effective. Yeah. When we do things from here, I don't know how big your problem is, but I do know when you get and you sit in the heavenly places, everything looks very small. I mean, I've just been on an airplane a few weeks ago to Perth, and I was reminded again of just how tiny everything looks from a higher perspective. And, you know, it says that the earth is the Lord's footstool. So when you're seated in heavenly places with him, you can't even see your problem. You could maybe see a continent, but that's it. You know? And so he's encouraging us to come and sit up there. And so the Father in the secret place. You see, prayer is not about a performance. You don't have to come to God with a well-rehearsed speech and say all the right things in just the right way and quote everything in King James or it's not effective. Um, that's not how prayer works. Prayer. Is beautiful communication. But more than just that, it's a listening. I think the majority of our prayers should be listening and then we just repeat what we heard him say. Because you can't say it any better than the way he says it. And when he says it, (laughs) that's it. It it happens. God can't lie. So if God said it, (sighs) big breath, sigh of relief, You know, it's done. You know, it's happened. Because he said it. So then you can just get on board with, well, he said, you know, pull rank. Hey, this is coming from the top. He said it. So now he's going to teach us about more about prayer. We're in the secret place. We're with our Father in heaven. And we begin our prayer by just reveling in who he is. Ah. Sometimes so much revelation flows from the Word of God, so much I'm learning, so much I'm gleaning from Him, but it it can't replace that moment of sitting with Him and just enjoying His presence. When was the last time you literally just delighted in Him and soaked in Him? No agenda, no nothing, just to be with Him. When Jeremy and I were courting, sometimes we would walk along the beach. I do not remember what we talked about because that was not what was important. It was the fact that I was with him. And that's all that mattered. Um, We were together, whether we were in the shopping center or walking along the beach or spending time with my family or hanging out with the youth group. It didn't matter what we were doing. It wasn't an agenda like that. It was just to be together. And that is an invitation here. Hallowed be your name. It's an invitation to come and sit in heavenly places with our Father. And just remember who he is. I mean, I have three names. Anita, Joy, Greening. Some people I know have four, even five. There was one kid when I was working in enrollments in the school and he had a name so long, he had five names and some of them weren't short.
1: And um, he just
0: sounded so regal, this kid, but I don't think he appreciated it. Um, but do you know what? God has way more than five names. Can any of you think of some of the names of God? What's some of the names of God you know? El Shaddai, yeah, Jehovah Jireh. Elroy? El, Roy. El, Roy. El Roy. Yes? Yes? So why, why does God have so many names? It's kind of weird, isn't it? And when he said to Jesus, I'm giving you the name above all names, is he, remember Jesus has lots of names too. In Isaiah it was prophesied at the he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Do you know why I believe God has so many names? Not because He's confused about who He is, but because in the moment He needs to reveal to us an aspect of who He is that's going to help us in our current problem. If I if I have a need of provision, and I go to God as um, Raphael. The God of healing. That's not going to help me in my need of provision. But if I go to the God Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. It's an aspect of Him that I'm seeing in that moment that I go, I don't need to worry. He's got this. This is who He is. I don't just have a kind of abstract God. I have a God who reveals himself according to what I need in that moment. I am shalom, peace, the prince of peace. So if I'm in turmoil and I go and I sit at 777 Secret Place Heaven and I'm in turmoil, what what is he going to reveal to me? He's going to reveal to me himself as the prince of peace. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to be like, Why was I worried? Because look who he is. Ah, and then that peace just washes all over me and then it doesn't, my problems don't matter because it's called a peace that passes understanding. It's like nothing has changed but everything's changed. Does that make sense? It's like I I know that problem's there but I I have this peace that passes my understanding and that problem's not bothering me anymore Um, because this peace is telling me that He's got this. And it's all going to be not just okay, it's going to be amazing. So he invites us into this beautiful place. Hallowed be your name. Just sit. Sit in his name. Whatever you need, sit in his name. Because it's above every other name. We sang it today, didn't we? Your name is the highest name. It's the greatest. I've got it down my way. Your name stands above them all, above all thrones and dominions, all powers and positions. Your name. Whoa. (sighs) What a beautiful prayer. I'm going to go and sit in the secret place of Heavenly Father, and I'm going to just sit in his name and be like, hallowed be your name, Your kingdom come. That's the very next line. Oh, are you ready for this? Kingdom come. So what happens when we sit up there in the secret place, we begin to see differently. We begin to say differently and expect differently. And so we look at what's once an overwhelming problem and now we say, Kingdom come. I'm looking at you finances and I have a message for you from my God called El Shaddai. And his message to you is increase in Jesus' name. You see, I suddenly stepped into kingdom. And in the kingdom, there is no end. It said and of its increase, there will be no end. We have an increasing kingdom. We're not in a diminishing kingdom. God never runs out. Do you know the streets of gold, he never has to hock some of that and take it to the, the brokers and say, look, we're running a little short on cash this week. Can you take a chunk of gold and convert it for me? One word out of his mouth and it happens. Let there be light and darkness disappears. That is our God. And so we begin to pray, not from an earthly perspective, where we come to God and we say, oh, this problem, this problem, this problem. We come to God and we sit in his name. And then we look at that problem and we go, right, I have a message for you. Kingdom is about to come to my problem." And it has to bow to that name above every name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I believe when we go to the secret place and we sit in the heavenlies, we can hear what God's will is on a matter. And then it tells us in 1 John, if we know his will, we have confidence when we approach the Father that what we ask, we are going to receive from him. But you can't have that confidence unless you know his will. But if you're sitting up there and you're hearing his will being discussed in heaven, you can come and confidently say on earth, well, his will be done in this situation, and this is what his will is. And then you can be immovable because you know you've heard it from the source. You know firsthand Give us this day our daily bread. Have you heard the expression about being hangry? It's a mixture of hungry and angry. And the angry comes because of the hungry. Well, I think we can get that way spiritually. We can get out of sorts because we're hungry. We just actually need to feed. We need God to feed us. Give us this day our daily bread. So important. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. Uh, the way the kingdom works, you don't have to worry about how justice is going to happen. Because our God is just. He's just. We can leave justice up to him. You don't have to get revenge. You don't have to have even your own idea of how to get recompense for what's happened to you. You can leave all that to Him. It takes the burden off. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. So yes, people might owe you all manner of things because of what they've done to you. But if you release that to Heavenly Father, He will take care of that, and He will do it so much better than we could. And so we can be free. We don't have to have that weight of. Un- bitterness, you know, resentment hanging over us every day. We can release it there in the secret place. And it's safe there. You know, God never drags up your past. Do you know he doesn't do that? If you're sitting there with him, he's not going to say to you, now you remember when you were six years old and how you back-chatted your mom?" Why? Because he forgives us, our debts, completely. It's a beautiful place to be. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a place of authority, a place of victory. Walking out of this prayer, it's not, oh, I hope God's going to do something someday, somewhere, somehow. It's walking out going, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory and I'm about to enter my day in full assurance that what we discussed up there is going to be a reality down here. On earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, keep saying that. Ah, so good. All right, I have a lot more to share, but I'm going to start wrapping up. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 13. You still awake? You're all good? I know what it's like if you're tired, you've been go, 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 and then you have a moment to stop, and the heat and the air (sighs) Some of you are so spiritual, you've been closing your eyes and praying this whole time. (laughs) Amen. Alright, Hebrews 13. You know, it's alright until you learn how to snore, and it's embarrassing. Okay, Hebrews 13, 20 to 21. Uh, um, This has become for me just one of the most remarkable scriptures. Have you ever wondered how to pray for someone that you don't know how to pray for? Um, Maybe they're giving you a hard time. Maybe there's, like, misunderstandings between you. Maybe you're trying to pray for someone who's not fully where they need to be in God, and and you don't want to sit up there and just, like, God, tell him all about their bad points. But you don't know how to pray. Well, God gave me this scripture. It was so... Helpful, And I just love it. I, I read it all the time. So Hebrews 13, 20 to 21. And it says this, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. There is so much here, but I want us to begin to pray. Take these words and begin to pray it. Pray it over everybody you know. Pray it over each other here. Any names of anyone you know in our church, begin to pray this. I pray, God, that you would make them complete in every good work to do your will. That you would work in them what is well-pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I pray you'd make them complete in every good work to do his will. Make them complete in every good work to do his will. Make them complete in every good work to do his will. What is our one job to do here on earth when we enter the kingdom, when we enter the, the family of God? What is our one job? Anyone? What are we commanded to do? Go in, make disciples, preach the gospel, heal the sick, signs following, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. This is what every single believer has been called to do. And I love this prayer. May we be made complete in every good work to do his will. Jesus' sole focus on earth was to do the will of the Father. That was was it. The will of the Father is to heal this leper in this man. The will of the Father, he's listening, always obeying. Okay, I'm going to heal this man's blind eyes. The will of the Father was to cleanse the temple so it could become a house of prayer. The will of the Father is everything he lived for was to fulfill the will of the Father. And this is what Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, is actually saying here. I pray you'd be complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Okay, now I need to finish and tell you about... um, What's in Jeremy's heart of my heart? I believe God is calling our church to become a house of prayer because prayer in the secret place with the Heavenly Father changes things here. So I don't think we're called to pray out of um, despair, so to speak. We're to pray from a position of a heavenly mindset that we're coming in to the secret place to enforce kingdom come, will be done here in Stendhal, in in Warwick, as it is in heaven. And I believe he's calling us into a time of prayer. We're going to, to launch a prayer afternoon. Um, so it's going to be the last Sunday of every month. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, at now, but um, we probably will increase that, but February is pretty full, so we're just going to start with that. But the last Sunday of February, in the afternoon, go have lunch and whatever, maybe about 2.30, uh, 3 o'clock, we'll meet back here. We're going to pray. We're not going to pray from a position of fear or worry. We're going to sit in his name first. We're going to hear what's being spoken in heaven. And we're going to begin to take what he said and say the same thing here on earth as it is in heaven. I believe God wants to raise up the prayer warriors who will bring kingdom here on earth through their actions and through their words. He is um, calling us to a time of prayer like never before because we have to be prepared for what's ahead. Um, so if, if I want to catch a heap of fish, like let's say I'm very ambitious and I want to catch 30 fish and I bring a fishing net about this size and a basket about this big and that, that big, do you think I'm prepared to catch my 30 fish? My actions aren't matching my words. I believe God is wanting to prepare us because of what He's saying over us. He wants us to be prepared for the harvest that's coming in. It's coming. But we gotta be prepared, so we gotta to begin to pray and prepare. And some of you need to start getting your mind around the fact that you're gonna to need to, to help facilitate new Christian classes to teach people. You you're gonna be needed. You remember when Jesus said to Peter, hey cast your, your net on the other side of the boat and he got so much fish that his net began to break and the other fishermen had to come and it filled both boats and they were nearly sinking. Um, we we're quite kind of calling in the reinforcements already because Jesus has spoken. The fish are about to come. We've got to strengthen our nets. And we do that. One of the ways we do that is through prayer and preparation. So I'm excited about that. I believe great things are, are going to come from that as we literally unify together, pray together, and seek the heart of the Father for our community and our communities and our nation and the, the nations of the world. God is a big calling in this church. Big calling. And so he's calling us to big preparation, big preparation. Audacious prayers. Now, don't, don't think small. Because if you're sitting in this secret place, it, it, yeah, you can't think small up there. God thinks nations, right? Restoration of family, community, nations. Ooh, we get to be a part of it in these end times. I'm excited. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? I want to give an invitation to those in this room, to those watching online. If you haven't received Jesus, and I use that word intentionally, you know, anything we get from God, we have to receive it. He's he's giving it, but we have to receive it. And to become a child of God, to have your sins washed, to be made right with God, you have to receive what Jesus did for you on the cross. You have to receive salvation. So I just want eyes to close and this place heads to bow for a moment. Just, um, just to respect this moment because this is an opportunity for people to respond to Jesus. Jesus looked at his followers before they were his followers and his call to them was simple. He looked at Peter and he said, follow me. And today he's looking at you. And he's giving you the same invitation. Follow me. Follow me. That means laying aside everything else to say, I can't get to heaven on my own. I will never be good enough in my own efforts. But I can trust Jesus and the work he did on the cross for me. Jesus, the perfect, sinless lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. When we put our trust and our confidence in him alone, he makes us new. He washes us clean of our sin. He regenerates us. It says that we are a new creation. Your spirit literally comes alive. And your relationship with God is restored. You can have access to heaven and father. So if you're in this place today, if you're watching online, you'd like to receive Jesus you'd like to answer his call follow me, I want you to raise your hand, Anita that's me I want to follow Jesus I want to follow Jesus thank you, are there any other hands today, I want to follow Jesus I want to be his disciple just give a few more minutes raise those hands, Anita that's me thank you I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's it's not the prayer that saves you. The scripture says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. And so I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. But if you're meaning this from your heart today, your destiny goes from hell when you die to heaven. You go from no relationship with the God who created you and loves you to a full relationship with him. All right, let's say these words. Heavenly Father, please forgive me for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus. I accept him as my Savior and my Lord. I choose to follow Jesus. Wash me clean. Cleanse me. with with your key, but you'd like to get there i want to pray for you today that you will have the spiritual eyes open, that you'll be able to come and sit in that realm and heal the conversations of heaven so if you would like to receive that just put your hands out in front of you or whatever you feel comfortable with but put your heart in a receiving position and i'm just going to pray over you today father i thank you for your people I pray for them right now, Father. as the son and daughter of God in the earth. Lord, I pray for a fresh impartation right now in Jesus' name. All across this room, a fresh impartation of your spirit, Father, who who leads us into all truth as we behold you, as we behold Jesus. Lord, I pray for every chain to be broken off today, for people to leave this place free, free of the past, free of regret, free of shame. Lord, free of pain, free of questioning, Father, that they would have a confidence and an expectation of good in Jesus.